that the Biden administration is going down and going down fast. So why? Well, the reason that Joe Biden is imploding is because his own party has turned against him. And this is a really interesting, if you're interested in government, and I'm not going to make it boring. If I make it boring, write me a letter, okay? I'm make this interesting, and it's not easy. So there are two spending bills in play. Neither of the bills have been passed. The first is the $1 trillion infrastructure bill to improve roads and highways and global warming stuff and all of that. $1 trillion. That will pass. All right. Got 20 votes in the House. It will pass the Senate, I believe. All right. But it can't be voted on because of far left Democrats until the $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill is advanced for a vote. So our Ocasio-Cortez and Bernie Sanders said, we're not voting. Um, We're not going to vote for the $1 trillion bill until we get the $3.5 trillion bill. Boom, the whole thing explodes. Nothing gets done. Okay, again, two bills, but they're not, they're intertwined because of the left-wing loons. The loons want the $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill. What's that? It's a spending bill. Social justice spending. It has nothing to do with reconciliation. That's just BS. It's basically taking money from me and other affluent people and corporations and giving it to Americans who don't have very much. That's the reconciliation bill. That's what it is. It's a transfer of wealth. There's not a Republican on the face of the earth going to vote for that. And Manchin the Democrat from West Virginia and Cinema, the Democrat senator from Arizona, say we're not voting for it. So they can't pass it in the Senate because they need all the Democrats to vote, all 50, because all 50 Republican senators will oppose. And of course, Vice President Harris would break the tie. But when you have two defections, at least two, maybe more, could be other people hiding, all right? You can't get it passed. So Biden wants to get the $1 trillion in his pocket for infrastructure and not put this up for a vote yet. I don't know how he thinks he's going to get it. He's not going to get it. He's going to have to bring it way down to $1.5 trillion or something like that. Okay? Because that's what Manchin said. Manchin's pulling the strings. Wall Street Journal editorializes this weekend, Manchin's running the country, not Biden. Now, that's an overstatement. But Manchin's got more power than Biden right now. Why? Because Biden's weak. When you have a weak president, and the best example in modern times is Jimmy Carter, nobody's afraid. So people aren't going to do what Biden asked them to do. They're not. They're afraid of Pelosi in the House, and they're afraid of Schumer in the Senate. The Democrats are afraid of them because they'll cut off money. So if you want to run for re-election in either house, you need money. And the Democratic National Committee provides that. But Pelosi and Schumer cut you off, you can't run. You don't have the money. That's why they're afraid. But Biden's got no juice at all. Okay, none. Most people understand that he is befuddled. Now, I'm seeing that word used more and more. I coined it. Okay? And he doesn't really have a clear view of what's happening. 
So for your purposes, you, the honest American citizen, you know that the $3.5 trillion is socialism pure and simple. Not going to do you any good or your family any good. Yeah, you get seven weeks paid leave or you'll get free community college, but the price you'll pay for that is way more as the economy implodes. You can't run up debt like this. You can't tax your way out of this. And you're seeing now inflation, boom, I'll give you the stats in a moment. Now, inflation robs you of purchasing power. So you got to pay a lot more for what you need. That overrides any benefit like free health, uh, not health care, but lower premiums for the Obamacare people, free child care. You're going to get murdered. In the essentials, you'll have to pay a lot more. So savvy people know that Biden is so weak, just like Jimmy Carter was weak, that he can't cajole, word of the day, anyone to do anything. And this is after nine months in office. This is a catastrophe for Biden. So Americans, even those who don't pay attention, and you know, the Afghan thing was obvious, the big thing, and the border is catastrophic down there. So people start to catch on. They don't understand the the economics yet, which is why I'm doing this tonight. They don't know what the reconciliation bill from the infrastructure bill and why people won't vote. And they don't, it's complicated. You have to really study it. But when you boil it down, two bills, neither of which are put up for a vote And Biden's own people, his own party, the loony far left Democrats are saying we're not going to vote for the uh, the trillion dollar infrastructure bill unless you put the three point five trillion spending bill. But everybody knows that's not going to pass. So why are they doing that? Why are they sabotaging their own president? So Biden looks weak for everybody. He can't get anything done. And again, I pose this question, and, and every time I go on the radio, and I'm on the radio now, we have a schedule every day, you should check in because we always post that on BillOReilly.com. My simple question is, give me one thing that Joe Biden has done in nine months to improve the country. You can say Vax rollout, okay, but he didn't do that. He didn't set up that mechanism. That was done by the previous administration. Okay, he didn't do it. He badmouthed the Vax, as you remember. So, but I'll give you that. The vax got out there to CVS and all the other places. I'll give it to you. But what problem has he solved or made better? He's made everything worse. And now the best thing for the country, and I hate to say this, is no, none of these bills pass. Although we do need infrastructure in this country, we need to upgrade that. So I would probably vote for that. Even though a trillion dollars, I'd have to see where it's going. Because the Democrats always say, oh, we'll build that bridge. But first, we're going to put three windmills in Georgia. And you go, you know, no matter how many windmills you have, it's not going to be able to fulfill the energy needs of the country. It's just not. No matter how many you build. So we're living in a time in this country where the federal government 
in an attempt to be socialist. And Biden doesn't understand any of this. I mean, somebody should send him this broadcast. I mean, maybe after I explain it to him, he would. He doesn't know. He just does what he's told. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't know what's in the $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill. He hasn't read it. It's, what, 2,000 pages? He doesn't know what's in it. Ah, oh, what a mess. All right, inflation. So uh, it's at a 30-year high in August, the latest stats. All right. And this is all uh, from the Bureau of Economic Analysis. This is from the government. So inflation is at a 30-year high. All right. And in the month of August, it went up 4.3%. So prices are 4.3% higher in one month. And that was the highest rate since 1991. So we're in a world of hurt. Now, consumer spending is going up to 0.8% in August as more people get out on the street again um, because of the COVID thing, more people coming back to the workplace, all of that. But spending is not nearly um, what the rate of inflation is. So you see in the stock market, just go, hey, boom, 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 boom. You know, I got to tell you, I have stops on all my stock. I got stopped out of a big stock today that I didn't want to sell, but I had to have that discipline. So the price hit, price I had on it, and I sold it. Didn't want to, but I'm not going to go down with the ship. I got stops on all my stocks because I don't trust Biden, the Biden administration. The stock market is not an indicator of economic well-being, but if it collapses, massive pain. The indicator is employment and wages, all right? And we're still okay in that area. And inflation, we're not okay in inflation. We're not. So your wages are going down because of inflation. You're paying more money for stuff you need. Okay, now that's it. I hope I'm not a pinhead. I hope you got it. I'll answer any questions. You just Bill at BillOReilly.com. But this is really bad. Now, I got a couple of letters asking me to explain Solly Amarova. Do you know who Solly Amarova is? Well, she has just been appointed the comptroller of the currency, the United States currency. And that is an independent bureau within the Treasury Department. So Solly Amarova. Is, is now in charge of the currency. Well, who is Sali Amarova? She's a PhD, University of Wisconsin, born in Kazakhstan, came to the USA in 1991. She got her PhD. Uh, she taught law at Cornell. Now, uh, Biden has appointed her to be in charge of the dollar, the currency. Now, she worked for George W. Bush, in the Treasury Department as a special advisor. But if you dig deeper into her life, she is not a capitalist. This is, and now, this is what she wants. You ready for this? She wants to wipe out all bank accounts in Chase, in Citigroup, whatever it may be. 
in your local bank, okay, Vinnie's bank in your town, doesn't want that. No more private bank accounts. She wants you to put your money in the Federal Reserve System. That means that the federal government would know every cent you have and could easily take it if you didn't pay your fair share of taxes. If there was a beef, you and your money would be under the control of the Federal Reserve, the federal government. That's what this woman wants. That's communism. Communism is all private property is regulated by a central government. Now, Biden appoints Solly Omarosa to this position. Does Biden know that's what she wants? I don't know. He didn't explain it. If I had a bet, no clue. None. Somebody came in, said, oh, we need somebody in charge of the currency, Mr. President. Please sign this appointment. Signs it. I could be wrong. Maybe he's a Ph.D. genius himself sitting there in the Oval Office every day. Maybe he understands everything that's happening. You think so? Now, on the campus of Oklahoma State University, there was a controversy. And this is fascinating. Okay, so the editor of the student newspaper, which is called The Ocali, is Madison Ferris, 20 years old. I should say she used to be the editor. She is no longer the editor. Now, Madison objected to the mask mandate, which was kind of murky from Oklahoma State. And here's what she wrote in the student newspaper, put it on the screen. Quote, what is going on at Oklahoma State is troubling. The backdoor approach to mask requirements is both concerning and laughable. The school may think that they are avoiding legal consequences by putting the authority for mass requirements in the hands of the professors. But the discrimination that has already occurred is a major cause for concern when it comes to future repercussions. Now, joining us now from Oklahoma, Stillwater, is Miss Ferris. So I don't really understand why you're not the editor of the paper any longer. You have a right to that point of view that's journalistic freedom. It's freedom of speech. It's not crazy. It's not threatening. So why were you removed? Why did you resign from your position? Um, I would say that the biggest reason is that after I uh, published this opinion column, emphasis on opinion column, um, I received a lot of backlash online. Um, and that backlash was directed towards me personally, uh, but people did start saying the Okali this and the Okali that. And the pressure just really grew on my team and, you know, the people that work above us um, that, you know, really work for the school to really just clean up the name of the Okali and get it out of the eye of controversy and really just kind of calm the public down. And they really just honestly buckled to the pressure of public opinion. Okay. So the university says that masks in the classroom are optional. Is that correct? It is up to the professor once a 
once a positive case has been um, found in the class or reported for two weeks, the professor can take whatever action that they choose. Uh, they have like three options. They can go online, they can go online, they can um, do like half and half, or they can be in person and the in-person students have to wear masks. Um, and so that's kind of where they are with that. All right. But that doesn't sound unreasonable, Madison. That doesn't it does, sound like an unreasonable policy. It doesn't until uh, there came, you know, punishment for not you know, succumbing to these demands. And my question in this as a journalist was, where did this authority come from? Um, because I read, and the way that I interpreted Senate Bill 658 uh, was that actions like this couldn't be taking place and that a mask couldn't be forced onto someone. Okay, so the counter to that would be, as I just stated with Northwell Health in New York, the public health threat, and particularly if you have someone with COVID in a single classroom, supersedes the individual right. But that's a debate. I mean, that's my position. It's your position, all that. I'm troubled by the fact that you were thrown out of the class because you didn't wear the mask. You wouldn't wear it. Is that right? You defy the professor and he tossed you? Well, it was offered to me and um, she asked me to leave, which I did. I wasn't going to make a scene. I'm not going to do that. Um, I left the class and I've been attending online and it's been going well. Um, but yeah. Okay. So why didn't you just wear the mask? And I did say this in my column. People have asked me, why don't you just wear the mask? Um, you know, it'd be easier to just wear it for a couple of hours and not make a big deal. If I honestly believed that it was just a mask, then yes, I would wear it. But I do believe that it's more than that. Um, it is uh, becoming a control move. I don't believe that it was at first, but I think that as the uh, culture in America has kind of snowballed into um, these just really bloated emotions that it has become, you know, uh, quite the power move in the hands of the professors at Oklahoma State. All right. So you think the uh, professors are abusing their power now with the mask. Are there any professors that have uh, a different viewpoint in this? So let the kids in the class without a mask. Do you know of any? Um, I do have professors that uh, just, you know, don't seem to mind. Um, it is up to the professor what action that they take according to the school. They're not, you know, the school yeah, they don't have to do. You don't have a vax mandate, do you, to be in a classroom at Oklahoma State? No. Okay. So a lot of a lot of colleges do have that. If you want to go to the class, you got to be vaxxed. Right. Um, but you don't have that. Now, what if you didn't resign? I understand that there was tremendous pressure, and you know what the uh, social media situation is totally out of control in this country. Um, but what if you didn't resign? Why don't you say, look, I didn't do anything wrong here. I'm a journalist. I'm writing an opinion column. I'm entitled to my opinion. I'm not resigning. What, what would have happened? Well, that was actually my position at first. I told them, I said, the only way you're going to get rid of me is if you fire me and this and that. And I was determined that that was going to be the way I went. Uh, but my staff actually refused to work. And the next day, so on Tuesday, they did not publish the paper that morning and were refusing to work. Um, until I see. Okay, I so they went on a, a walkout, and, and then you did the right thing as far as, uh, okay, I'm not going to destroy the paper because of my controversy. Well, I'll tell you what, are you a senior, Madison? I'm a junior. You're a junior. Okay, when, you're, when you graduate, you let me know, and I okay. will find you a job in journalism if you want it. Is that okay. a deal? That's a deal. Okay, because you're very articulate. We need to have courageous people. I don't particularly agree with you. I think of a professor 
uh, has a COVID case in the class. If I were the professor and I was a former high school teacher, I would say you got to wear the mask for your own protection. I would do that. But I like opposing points of view. I believe that dissent is important in this country, and I believe that you are sincere in what you put forth. So uh, when you graduate, or you know, maybe three months before um, you're out of there, let us know you have our information, and, and you tell me what you want to do, and we'll try to make that happen, and we'll help you with that, okay? All right. Thank you very much. All right, Madison. Good luck to you. And, thank you. Uh, Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds, and stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. Arcseedkits.com. That was a very, very good interview you did. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, let's get on to Facebook now that we're on social media. Now, I don't live in this world. I don't have a Facebook account. I don't, I don't do any of this. I use uh, this primarily for research and business and, and all of that, but I'm not sitting around sending nasty emails or tweets to, about Madison. All right? That's not what I do. But I know that there are huge um, freedom problems in the social media area. But I also know that Facebook and others have a very robust security team because I know people on it. And they're very close to me. So I know what they're doing. And they're not irresponsible in the sense that they allow a lot of crime and they want to cut that down and they spend a lot of money on their security teams to do that. So I want to be fair here. But there's not that as a giant threat to we the people in our freedoms by the social media companies, just the the banishment of Donald Trump alone, which is now being adjudicated in federal court, that that should never have happened in a million years. But the social media companies should be free to signal or put in a different area content they believe to be false. Okay, and that has not been done to the extent it should be. So if you're a neo-Nazi and you're putting out every day on Facebook or Instagram, whatever, that Jews must die, that, no, no, okay? Because that's hateful, insightful, could get somebody hurt. Now today, in front of the Senate Commerce Committee, a woman named Frances Hogan testified, you might have seen her on 60 Minutes. Now she has a beef against Facebook. And she says that it's harming children and that it's uh, allowing information to circulate that does damage. And she points to um, the attack on the Capitol for January 6th, that a lot of people who wanted that to happen or encouraging that to happen were operating on Facebook, all right? And so she wants the government to get involved. 
And she also says that teenage girls are being worked over on Instagram because their bodies don't correspond to the bodies that are glorified on social media. That's a strong point. But we do live in a, in a free society whereby if you're a good-looking woman and somebody wants to model you or, or compliment you, you can't stop them. That wouldn't be fair. But the key to this is Congress has to create new laws regulating social media, what they can and can't do, and what kind of safeguards they have to have. Here's what Ms. Hagan said today. The company intentionally hides vital information from the public, from the U.S. government, and from governments around the world. The documents I have provided to Congress prove that Facebook has repeatedly misled the public about what its own research reveals about the safety of children, the efficacy of its artificial intelligence systems, and its role in spreading divisive and extreme messages. Okay, so I think that when the midterms are uh, finished, that's a year from this November, and the Republicans take back the House and Senate, which I believe they will, but, you know, I could be wrong, things are going to happen, that you were going to have new laws. But Biden may very well veto those laws because the left wants the capacity to censor. They want to keep Trump off Twitter. They want to. I asked my staff, I said, look, I need to talk to a sane person who is embedded in the civil rights movement, who knows about it, A to Z, to get some solutions on the table for you, people watching and listening to me. So we found a guy named Jason Hill, who is a Ph.D. He uh, got his Ph.D. from Purdue University. He teaches philosophy, and he has a title of Honors Distinguished Faculty Member. That's Honors Distinguished Faculty Member at DePaul University in Chicago. So he's written a book called, put it up on the screen, What Do White Americans Owe? black people, racial justice in the age of post-oppression. And uh, Dr. Hill uh, has some pretty interesting things to say, and he joins us from the Windy City. That was quite a uh, lead I gave you. <laughs> Thank you. That was No, but I, I, you know, my, part of my job is to find people that, that aren't, you know, it's, they use the same people on cable and network news over and over and over. I want to get somebody like you who wrote a book, knows what they're talking about. So what is the headline of the book as far as getting white Americans and black Americans not to dislike each other? What's the headline? The headline, um, Bill, is to get both the races to realize that they're being sold a diet of hatred through critical race theory primarily, and through this argument of reparations, which they both go hand in hand that critical race theory is a racial extinction doctrine that is really meant to annihilate the white race and to feed black people a diet that white people just by possessing white skin are their natural enemies and that they enjoy something called white privilege which they inhabit just by possessing white skin and that in possessing white privilege they're walking practitioners of racism and that they're natural oppressors. Right. Once so every, every white person in the country, uh, just by their skin color, 
is an oppressor. That is what is being put out there. Now, you That's, came yes. to the USA. You're like a, a threefer here. So you came to the United States from the island of Jamaica, the country of Jamaica and the Caribbean. And you have, I assume, you didn't come in on a magic carpet with a lot of money. You came in as uh, an immigrant, legally, and have mm -hmm. worked their, yourself up to a PhD, a prestigious uh, professorship at a prestigious university, and now you're an author. So if there was, if there were this systemic racism as Joe Biden uh, puts forth, how could that happen to you? Well, you know, I try to use myself as evidence of the utter stupidity of the idea that America is both intrinsically bigoted and that there's something called systemic racism in this country. Uh, since the 1964 Civil Rights Act, which granted full equality before the law to blacks and also was a social eugenics program which re-socialized the sensibilities of white people and, and made them into non-racist, blacks have enjoyed the full equality before the law and every opportunity that's available to whites are no available to blacks. Mal, there, let me, stop, let me stop you there. I've always said it's rougher if you are African-American because there are white bigots yes. who will give you a hard time. I believe that that's true. true. Do you believe that? I do believe that is true, but I do fervently believe, Bill, that race is no longer determinant of destiny as it once was on, let's say, Jim Crow laws. So I have I lived in the Deep South when I moved here at the age of 20 in 1985. And I actually lived in Ku Klux Klan County, believe it or not, because land was cheap and I was a poor student who came to this country with $120 in his pocket. And, and the Klan country was just very cheap to live in. So I have I have had my fair share of racism, but I deal with situations head on. If someone is disrespectful to me or is eviscerative of my dignity, I tackle them head on. I don't tolerate it. I move on and I don't see myself as a victim. OK, now let's this talk about that. Has anybody at DePaul attacked you for your moderate stance here, your constructive stance? Have you been attacked by faculty or students at DePaul? I have a lawsuit against my university because as, a as the only conservative in my department, as the only black person, and as a, someone who's radically pro-Israel and who wrote an article defending then Prime Minister Netanyahu's right to defend, to annex Judea and Samaria, I was censured, I was called a genocidal war criminal, I was called all sorts of names. So I have four lawsuits against my university. Now, I am it, persona non... Okay. So I have so the, the left is trying to silence you. How about the administration of DePaul? Are they supportive to you? No, absolutely not. They have they have they have backed the the, the faculty and have censured me, and re re reprimanded me. Um, there are only about two people in the entire university who will speak with me, aside from the department of my chair, and they have led a boycott against my classes. Um, so I am a lone warrior for conservatism, for American values, fighting as a great patriot of our magnificent republic. And I'm hated for that. It's, but you know, I, I have a spine of steel and I'm, I, I believe in this country. I believe in the exceptionalism of the American people and of this country. And I've been on your show before, thank you. And we've spoken about American exceptionalism and, and my continued struggles to fight for the magnificence of this great country and, and the America phobia that we're living under. Okay, so um, the reason that you survive at the university is you have tenure, right? And you have a I great have title and all that. So you, they, can't, they can't take your livelihood away, but it must be very difficult. And I'm ashamed of the people at DePaul for being so narrow-minded, but I'm not surprised. 
because this is a disease, this is an illness, this is a pandemic that is spread all across academia in the USA. My alma mater at Boston University hired this guy, Kendi. Do you know mm. Kendi, by the way? Do you know him? I deal with him. I take him on in my book and I actually destroy him. <laughs> yes, okay, so he, he's like the, the spear point of the division of the races. He's saying right. that if you're white, you owe blacks X, Y, and Z, and you're an oppressor. So Kendi is like celebrated at Boston U. And he charges $20,000 an hour to tell corporations how racist they are. So this whole thing is totally out of control. Last question for you. Is there any hope here? Is, is there any hope that sanity and racial harmony could exist in America on these issues? I think so, Bill, because I think what I call the silent majority will wake up. And what I mean by that is there are parents who are realizing that we are living, we're going towards totalitarianism, we're going towards socialism, that their children are being told by, let's say, the teachers that do not gender your child, um, do not report to your students, to your parents, what we're teaching you. And students are being inducted into a sort of cabal of secrecy. And when parents realize that their own children are going to reject not just their values, but hate them, because they're being re-socialized according to a doctrine of hatred by their by the K through 12 government schools that are really bastions of, of indoctrination and, and Marxism and socialism. I think there's hope because the parents are actually going to wake up and we're seeing signs of this where parents are rebelling and we have an administration that's trying to get these parents to be called domestic terrorists, which I think is disgraceful. Yeah. So well, to answer your question, gonna, Bill, I, I, I think there is hope. Yeah, that Biden progressive movement, that's that's going to go down. So the book is What Do White Americans Owe Black People? It is by Jason Hill. We uh, recommend that book. And doctor, it's a pleasure to speak with you. Let us know if uh, we can ever be of service to you. OK, always a pleasure to talk to you, Bill. Thank okay. you so much. It's another morning and you're all set for work. You grab your coffee, head out the door, and your car decides today's the day it won't start. Panic sets in. You're not just late, you're stranded. Get ahead of unexpected car repairs before they strike with CarShield, the most trusted vehicle protection company. For almost 20 years, CarShield has saved millions of drivers from repair nightmares with low monthly plans that cover up to 5,000 major parts and systems like pricey transmission and engine repairs and check engine light mysteries visit carshield today at carshield.com carlson plans include unlimited miles 24 7 roadside assistance help with flats lockouts and rental car options save 20 percent and get a free quote by visiting carshield online at carshield.com carlson don't wait for the next surprise choose peace of mind with carshield go to carshield.com carlson and save 20 percent today Hey guys, it's Vivek Ramaswamy here, inviting you to listen to my podcast, Truth. We just relaunched it after the campaign, and we are already riding up the podcast charts. Here's why. I think that hard, in-depth conversations about the tough issues is the only way we're going to get this country back. Because make no mistake, we are currently in a war for the future of America, and you cannot win a war unless you're willing to speak the truth. If you want standard conservative talking points, this podcast is not for you. But if you want to go deeper, 
and hear the conversations you're not going to find anywhere else, the conversations that will challenge you, that will challenge me, then subscribe to Truth with Vivek Ramaswamy on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I promise you, you're going to cover terrain that you're not going to hear elsewhere. Supreme Court is back. And the liberals are very worried about abortion. So um, eight justices met for the first time in 18 months. They were divided because of COVID. One could not um, because he has COVID. That would be a Justice Kavanaugh has COVID. So he couldn't be there, but he was there on Zoom or something. So the big case is Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health. That would be Jackson, Mississippi. So Mississippi passed a state law that bans most abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. Okay. And now the Supreme Court has to decide whether that state law is constitutional. If it's not, then Mississippi can't have that law. We researched it, and under existing Supreme Court precedent, states may not ban abortions that occur prior to fetal viability, generally around 22 weeks or later. That means a baby inside could live on the outside. That's fetal viability. So that's a seven-week window between the Mississippi law and the federal law. So after 22 weeks, any state can ban abortion, according to Supreme Court precedent. But 15, they can't. Now, I don't know how this is going to shake. I don't know. I know that four Supreme Court justices will try to knock out the Mississippi law. Roberts, Sotomayor, Kagan, and Breyer. Okay? Those four will. Whether Thomas, Alito, Gorsuch, Barrett, and Kavanaugh go against the Supreme Court precedent, not a ruling, by the way, it's just precedent, they might. But that's what the liberals are so much worried about. Because they believe, I mean, I saw a demonstration that said, abortion is a beautiful thing. Once you get into that realm, you're in Nazi territory. That's where you are. Extermination is a beautiful thing. A lot of Germans, no problem with that. World War II. Abortion is a beautiful thing. If you know anybody who holds that point of view or supports somebody saying that, that's the end. That's it. You can't deal with them any longer. That's how extremely crazy that is. Talking about a a potential human life here. And for those of us who believe in Christian theology, a human life. China. China put out a one-sentence dictum to its people, 1.5 billion people. It said that the government of China is going to reduce 
the number of medically unnecessary abortions. Medically unnecessary. That means there's no health problem to the mom. So, why are they doing that? Well, the population of China is at its slowest growth point in 20 years. And Chinese are getting worried that their population is going to decline. So, they're basically sending a message to all abortion doctors in China, you better have a reason, a health reason, to do this. Ah, isn't that interesting? Now, for years, you know, China practiced a one-child policy, which means all families would have only one kid. Well, that is turn around and bite them in the butt. So now they want the Chinese people to have more than one kid, and they don't want any abortions. That's China. And believe me, if you are an abortion doctor in China, you are uh, cautious. Those people can come in, take you away. You'll never be seen again. Austin, Texas. They have a ballot um, this November about police. If approved by voters, Proposition A says that the police staffing should be required two officers for one every 1,000 residents. Two officers, 1,000 residents. Got to have that. All right. George Soros doesn't like that. Okay, George Soros is a 91-year-old radical leftist. He doesn't like it. So he's given a half million dollars to the people who oppose having a police presence, an effective police presence in Austin, Texas. So you know. Now, Soros' son is really running that operation now. So when Soros dies, and I wouldn't want to be him, uh, his son will take over. Who is there for the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who is helping our nation's homeless veterans? And who is helping our nation keep its vow to never forget 9-11? I'll tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The foundations in the line of duty programs honor our nation's heroes and their families. That includes its Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs. The foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America, over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings and barbecues, and the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is helping to educate kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day, 9-11. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. This charity keeps its word and honors our nation's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Did you know every day is a perfect day for peace of mind? With American Home Shield Warranty, you are covered for unexpected breakdowns like leaky faucets or faulty water heaters. Choose a plan that fits your budget and rest easy knowing repairs and replacements are taken care of. Simply contact American Home Shield when an issue arises and their trusted pros will handle it according to your coverage. Don't let worries about appliances and home systems weigh you down. Celebrate the reassurance of protection. Don't worry, be warranty. For 20% off plans, visit ahs.com bill. 
For more details, see ahs.com slash contracts for coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. New Jersey residents, the product is being offered is a service contract and is separate and distinct from any product or service warranty, which may be provided by the home builder or manufacturer. Okay, here is the final thought of the day. On October 18th, that's a Monday, we'll have an exclusive interview with President Trump. I'm going down to Florida um, next week, late next week, to do the interview. It's going to be different. It's going to be a lot of different things that he's never been asked. Um, and we will have that for all of our um, viewers and listeners. Everybody gets that. Okay? Again, that is Monday. October 18th. Now, three days later, October 21st, the evening of, we're going to have a special called The Real Joe Biden. We've been investigating him. Only BillOReilly.com premium and concierge members be able to see that. So we're putting it up on a Thursday night. You can watch it all throughout the weekend. We'll keep it up there for about a week, but only the premium and concierge members on BillOReilly.com can see it. Now, the reason we're doing this is because we want more premium and concierge members. And we're going to do periodic specials. Now, it's so easy to become a member. You just go to BillOReilly.com, and if you become a member, you get a free book. And I think they're throwing in bumper stickers, too. Just for being a member, we taught you the book, Killing the Mob or any other killing books, okay, or any, any of my books. There's 19 million copies of them in print. You should have them. So it's a great deal. You're going to love this special um, because it shows a side of Joe Biden that nobody knows. We're going back and we're going to deal with him today, of course. But that'll be a special on BillOReilly.com.